So, fellas, welcome to the second episode of Why Didn't You Tell Me. Um, so, for those of you who have not seen the podcast before, um, we are a podcast of young black men who talk about everything that we should have been taught at school. So, how we shouldn't have been talking about Pythagoras theorem, but actually how to get mortgages. And how, you know, we knew about Henry VIII having eight wives, but yet I have absolutely no idea about my tax. And so, for today's episode, we are going to be talking about um, young black men and mental health and how we kind of grew up with that. So, without further ado, uh, my name is Thierry. I go by the name of Felix Freak. And I'm Tanashi. Amazing. So, um, guys, I mean, firstly, I'm going to I'm gonna grab myself a little beer. Don't know about you guys. Yeah. Um, and so, Good shout. Um, cheers. So, ah, cheers, man. Cheers, lads. Cheers, 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 cheers. So, we'll kick this one off then. So, being black and mental health, have you guys got any experiences that we can kick off with? Is... Go on. <laughs> it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think I think yeah, growing up and um, the kind of perceptions that you have to kind of mental health. I know definitely being African was you know it was it wasn't kind of as accepting. Do you know what I mean? Like it was it was it's one of those things where I probably see on TV and never really kind of yeah. related to. And if any if anyone in the family had anxiety or anything like that, I wasn't you know. I was thinking, what's like, what's going on? What's wrong with them? And that sort of thing. I mean, I mean, to be honest, even even on TV, like not even on TV, like within our culture, um, mental health. I think w- the way we saw it was, it was almost like a weakness. It was seen as a yeah. weakness. It was like, you know, if someone was mentally struggling, so whether that is depression, anxiety, or you know, all the things that we actually have names for now. Back then, growing up, it was very much like get a grip. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Um, and so then it was never something that we actually ever talked about at home or was ever talked about on TV or talked about in just culture. And we were talking earlier and um, Felix mentioned how, like, back in the village, there's always somebody referred to as crazy. <laughs> yeah. But actually, when, when you look back at it now, that person... There's, like, there's diagnosis yeah. to it, right? Yeah, yeah, but, like, yeah, people would just kind of, you know, dismiss it. Mm. There wasn't kind of real thought around it. It's interesting. Yeah, I think it's like when we look at some of our parents is that they they saw people who struggle with their mental health, but they never saw it as something which attains to them personally. Mm. It's that they had uh, within their characteristics which makes them immune to it. And when they come over to this country, is that they see the systems at play. So for example, my parents, they worked with people with mental disabilities. My dad was an accountant first, and then he switched over to being a mental health nurse. And when I asked him, why did you change over to doing mental health, it was like, I saw so many people within my village who struggled with mental health, but it wasn't said it was mental health, as we're just saying. So it's like they found it more, in my experience of it, is that they found it more as a vocation rather than an experience for them. So they made it part of their profession and getting money from it rather than seeing it as a basis of let me analyze for what I've gone through, what the traumas I've been through to understand myself fully now that I'm in a different country. It's very true, actually, because considering, like, how many black people are, like, you know, we're disproportionately more across the, you know, health sector, Mm. um, but yet mental health is never something that we actually talked about at home, considering that our parents are out there treating other people. Mm. Do Do you think it's also, you know, kind of you know, coming from a different country and moving to another country, that kind of idea of you've got to be strong. Yes. You know, you've got to, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't show any weakness and and it kind of, you know, papers through the yeah, and, and a little that bit. Pressure, that pressure of strength as well, like, yeah. it's a lot because, you know, as, as a young black man now, like, I can't imagine the types of pressure that, like, 
um, you know, not disavowing anything that my mum went through, but like my dad went through, because I feel like as young black men, we are raised to be culturally the breadwinners, you know, you need to be the strong one in the family, you yeah. need to be the provider, you need to go and do this and do that and mm. things like that. And so all of those then normal society, well, I say those kind of perceived pressures that are put on us, then on top of then moving from another country and being told, you know, in a Western population, be who you want to be, you can do whatever you want. It's okay to be, you know, to show vulnerability, but you have this cultural thing in the back being yeah. like, listen, you better, you better grow a backbone. And, and it's also a survival thing as well. Yeah. Like, when you think about it, I remember going to school, you know, uh, coming obviously from, you know, from Africa, going to school, all of a sudden you're in a different environment. Mm. You're not going to show any weakness, are you? Yeah. Let's be honest. You're going to, you know, <laughs> you're going to try and seem strong so that, you know, you don't get bullied or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? Because it, it, it's, it's survival, isn't it? You, yeah. you kind of get into that survival mode. And at school, you know, yeah, you just, you just wouldn't talk about it, would you? Mm. And I think that survival mode's probably to the detriment of quite a, quite a few people and the experiences that we've probably had as well growing up where, you know, we, as we say, we've landed in survival mode but haven't switched it off. We haven't mm. switched off at all. And so we're constantly in attack mode or thinking that we're being attacked or trying to still remain strong and trying to be representative and things like that. But I think there comes a time where you kind of go, sometimes I've sat down and I, I couldn't, like, I, th I feel like at a younger age, I couldn't sit with my own thoughts. Mm. I just couldn't sit still. Yeah. I couldn't sit still and think about the things that, I'd, that had gone on in, in life or question certain things or how I was feeling because I'd never... had. I don't know what it is uh, in terms of, you know, the, I, I, I couldn't identify those things. There's yeah. no one I could really talk to because even as young black men together, we'd be like, yo, you're big man, what are you saying? Yeah, you know, anyone that kind of struggling, we kind of brush over and go... Yeah, but you're all right, innit? Yeah, yeah, safe, yeah. safe, safe, safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, move on, move on, innit? Yeah, Even though we were yeah. saying, Felix, in the car, like, um, we would, like, what? We are the entertainers. We're the people, you know, in the yeah. clubs, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we'd go back home and just sit in our thoughts, like, what the hell is my life? Mm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was difficult. But in terms of, like, school, is there any experiences that you guys... I think for me, it was, like... We, obviously, there's gov government mandata uh, mandated, um, like, curriculum, like... Uh, I think it was called PSHE, physical sighting, sighting, sighting. Mm, yeah. And it's supposed to give you those, like, those tools to really understand yourself as you're going through adolescence and becoming a teenager, becoming an adult and all of those things. And I think there were the, the there was good standing in those kind of lessons, but there was teachers who had no idea. Mm. So they weren't weren't able to impart wisdom into us. And then you are then siphoned off to go to sixth form college without people yeah. who you've known for five years, who you've basically grown up with. Yeah. And now you're into this new environment where you have to come out with an identity which shows that you, you have the ability to roam around this new place. You've become this whole new different person. And then there's all these little battles like, oh, am I... You know, am I good enough for this for this course? Yeah. Now I'm battling for my future. Before it was yeah. just like oh, I'm just going through school. Yeah. But now you're. It's a back quick. It's a quick future. transition, mm. isn't it? It's a. It's a. I, do you know? I can definitely relate. Actually, when you know, when you go for for me, it was from going from sixth form college to going to university. Yes. That just switched that man. Like, do you know what I mean? Everything. Mentally, I wasn't ready for yeah. it. To mm. be honest. <laughs> do yeah. you know what I mean? That that to be honest, even from an academic perspective, it was already difficult because you know. As you say, like you're going from A level to whatever, but I think um, there's never been an opportunity where you you're in a space that, of people who are from such different backgrounds yeah. than university, and you know 
it's a mixing pot of excellence to a, to a degree, but also if it doesn't work, it can be an absolutely painful disaster yeah. for some people. But um, but yeah, is there is there any experiences that you can talk on from from that transition? Um, like I said, I think it was it was obviously a difficult transition. Uh, I've got a couple of friends actually that didn't end up finishing uni because really? they struggled. Yeah, hundred percent, man. But uh, again, at that t- at that time, my perception of mental health wasn't really like yeah. you know. What I mean, I wasn't. I didn't really understand it to be honest. I think the older that I grew, and then personal experiences, um, when I started having panic panic attacks, for example, that's when I was like, at first when it happened, man, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just tired, you know, just brushed it off, you know. I didn't really think about it, mm. and then what did it I was feel like, like, it was weird, man. It was just weird. It was just like, um, you know, like sort of fight or flight. Yeah, um, yeah it felt like the flight came up. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of run but there was no to run yeah. <laughs> it's weird you know what I mean? so when did when did that like in, in a sense what situation were you in when when that happened i was driving oh really yeah jeez yeah That's i was driving yeah. um i think i was listening to like um grenfell stuff you know like um, oh, yes. it was around that time so obviously very traumatic time but again even though even then my understanding of the whole thing was completely gone i didn't really understand what's going on. I just thought, mate, I'm just tired. Yeah. Pulled up, carried on. Yeah. And then it kept happening. It kept happening. I was like, what's going on? Mm. Something, do you know what I mean? Started Googling it. Yeah. I was like, I had a panic attack. Jeez, man. How weird is that? But then, <laughs> but then it's, it's, I guess half the thing there for you, obviously you're scared you haven't got a clue what on earth is yeah. going on and then you need answers and it's like, where, where on earth do you go to? And I guess, um, I saw a really good tweet um, that was like, you know, um, whatever symptom Google gives you is the one that has the best SEO. So just basically whatever that has, <laughs> <laughs> rather than what you have. So um, the fact that you were able to actually even diagnose it in itself is... Um, well, the thing is as well, what I did actually, um, the, 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 my work basically supported me. So I kind of spoke to my manager. I was like, this is yeah. what's going on. Mm. And they arranged for me to go and see someone. Oh, okay. Initially, That's I spoke to someone on the phone, speak to someone. And then obviously, yeah, I started to really think about this. Okay, this is what's going on. It turns out maybe there was a link with the whole Grenfell thing. I don't know, do you yeah. know what I mean? But it's just interesting, isn't it? And even then, to be honest, the thought and the feeling of sat across a room, someone asking me how I'm feeling. Yeah. This is it. I was a bit weirded out, to be therapy. really honest. I felt like therapy in the black community is just, it's just not a thing. Like, to sit down and, yeah. you know, give somebody... Because I feel like... Um, we're very protective of, you know, whatever happens within the family or within us, we mm. keep within the family and yeah. we don't speak outside yeah. it. So then seeking help and having to speak to somebody, you know, even professionally, is seen as like, how dare you step outside the circle yeah. and tell the people our business? Um, but as you say, as therapy, I'm assuming therapy has gone... It was a good Yeah, well, it's, it's gone well, mate. It went well. Yeah, 100%. It, it, it helps you kind of just realise when you need to take a step back, think about things, but... Yeah, it was just a weird feeling. Just like someone, even the task that, you know, say after the session, she'll be like, I want you to go and do this. Um, you know, I want you to, I think one of them was like, maybe self-care. So like, I want you to like, mm. you know, dedicate X amount of time, you know, I don't know, watching a film, playing Xbox, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just think it's like, like, when you're hearing it, you're just like, this is a bit mad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it's just the simplicity of stripping it's, it back, Exactly. Isn't it? That's it. Yeah. It's, it's the simplicity of it. Do you know what I mean? Because it's easy to just be on it. Yeah. And I think what you were, were saying earlier on about like our parents working within the healthcare system is that 
we'd automatically think in society and in hindsight that those are the people who we directly go to for information yeah. about mental health. But there's even those stigmas of going towards your parents because of what they have been through in their own lives. But I think, like, for my own personal experience, it's like my mom was so keen on me going to therapy that she kind of drummed it into me. She'd be like, yeah. oh... Have you thought about going to therapy? Why don't you go to therapy? You need to talk to somebody who's not your, who's not a part of your family. And I think her opening that door to say that it's an option gave me the kind of strength to say, actually, let me go through it. I think the first time I ever went to therapy was when I was at uni. And it was just kind of off the cuff thing. So my parents, um, they were about to start getting the proceedings for their divorce. So I was just like, I don't need, I don't need therapy. I don't need therapy. But it was free. So I was like, yeah, if this thing is free, yeah. man's going to go to this. Yeah. And when I went there, it was so refreshing for no one to actually know anything about me. And for me to actually just lay it down and feel, they were like, it's anonymous. If you don't want to ever come back, that's okay. How do you, you find building trust? You know, how do you find... Because because I found that interesting, mm. you know, mm. being able to just open up Vulnerable. to a stranger. Yeah. Yeah. How did you find that? How did you find that? Yeah. I think for me, it's because I've, I've always portrayed myself as an open book. So I've always wanted to tell my story and always find yeah. interest in other people's stories. And I think at that time... I just wanted to tell someone how I truly felt right, okay. without feeling that I needed something else from them. I just needed someone to listen mm. at that point. And I think the older that I've got, that's where the participation is, where um, there has to be a, a centering of trust. So um, as, as a young black man, I'd say when I was younger and I went to therapy for the first time, I didn't care who it was. Yeah. I just wanted to talk to someone. Right but now that I'm older, yeah. I seek black therapists right. because I know they understand me culturally. And if it's a man, hopefully, mm -hmm. that they have gone through some of the struggles that I've That's gone through. Too. So my main struggle, I'd say, from 22 till around about 26 was my identity. Yeah. Who am I culturally? Yeah, man. Who, where, where do I actually fit as a first-generation immigrant but then I'm British. Yeah. And that, that was my real struggle. So I tried to find someone who looked like me, who could be able to help me who navigate that. To, who could yeah, literally who can relate, relate to that. Yeah. So I think, like, building trust is... It's a, it's a journey and a process. But I feel, especially for people of ethnic backgrounds, it's so important to find someone who looks like you, yeah. who can actually speak life into your situation. Yeah. And that's not saying that white therapists are not bad or anything. It's just saying that they don't understand me culturally. Mm. I mean, there's levels to it, isn't mm. it? It's the same as, you know, we can't sit here and pretend we understand the struggles of being a black woman in the, in yeah. the, yeah, the, same, exactly. the same respect. So. You just can't relate to it, can you? Yeah, yeah no, just, absolutely. No, yeah. absolutely. And I think... Um, uh, it, therapy, it, it's one of those things where, you know, when we said that we we're going to do this topic, I, I was thinking, you know, um, have I had any instances where I've had any kind of mental health struggles? And I've kind of gone, nah, 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 not me, not like that. And um, and it's until you mentioned then in terms of identity. And I then realised that actually, that is a completely a thing that I've been struggling with yeah. for quite some time and don't get me wrong I'm a, I'm a confident dude in the sense of I know who I am and yeah. who I want to be and things like that but um, when I, when we were younger I think from what you've said is 
at home, I was I was one person, you know, Siri, Siri go to good, you know? And then as soon as I go outside, I'm T, Thierry and yeah. things like that. And so it gives you an opportunity to obviously curate who you're going to be outside. But by doing that, it creates two different worlds so that the person I'm at home might not necessarily be the person I'm outside. And mm. that kind of code switching where mm. you kind of... And then you've got the person you are at work as well. Yeah, and then you've got the person <laughs> you are at work, exactly. Yeah. And, then, you know, and then there's another guy who, who maybe, you know, within relationships who you are there. And those multiple personalities, I think, adds a lot of pressure um, to yourself in terms of, you know, how you carry yourself throughout life and around people. And then yeah. what if all of those people are in one room? What if your girlfriend, your parents, your friend, and everyone else is then in one room? Then, do you know what I mean? You have to switch off your personality like 15 yeah. times. Yeah, no, you really, really do. And I think, it, it, as I say, it probably culminated at university at the same time, um, as you kind of mentioned earlier with yourself. And I think that's when you... That was personally my clean slate. That's where I went, right, everything that I've been previously, I'm now going to be this person, start mm. building... Um, that person who I was going to be, because I really did care about what people thought of me and all, yeah. and that pressure of, you know, impressing. I was a dude, like, you know, we went to clubs, and I'm like, yeah, Tierra will get us in, yeah, Tierra's getting yeah, drinks, don't I can definitely relate, mate. You know what I mean? You go to the bar, hey, no you one know, I was like, like guy, unfortunately, work. I was like, guy, mate. It is pressure. It's, 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 it's so much effort, isn't yeah. it? It's just like, it's, yeah. On a Friday night, if you're not <laughs> out, your phone is ringing yeah. on the bedside table, yo, Tierra, you coming out? You're going to sort us out, and all this kind of stuff. And, and you start to perpetuate that issue, and it adds a lot of pressure pressure and then it spills over those things then spill over into other things so like um uh that pressure then spills over into things like money and i started handling money horrendously and so then that money adds then a different financial well because you needed to go out all the time i was impressing i was the guy and yeah. do you know what I mean? You want to maintain that yeah. kind of lifestyle and you want to yeah. maintain... And the feeling it gives you, because yeah. you're the guy, you yeah. don't want to let that go. So you, yeah. you're, you're feeling it's a vicious circle, yeah. basically. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, just, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. And then on top of that is, you know, that identity crisis of I don't know who I am, but, you know, I'm happy with this serotonin boost that I'm getting yeah. from being the guy. Yeah. And then it continues. And then you... But then in order to almost sort that out, I did that on my own, essentially, in the sense of... I had to go cold turkey. I had to just, you know, cut it off and let that die out. But then even that process of it dying out, you just feel like absolute shit. Yeah. You're like, you know what, I'm worthless. No one even wants to be around me. I don't want no, I don't, you know, I have no friends or whatever else. And then you have to rebuild that back up to, you know, meaningful friendships like I've got with yourselves where it's, yeah. you know, you'll call me because you actually want to talk to me as yeah. opposed to, can I get Q-Jump or Rivers of Cuba? But yeah. in a way, that's therapy, if you like. But it's, yeah. it's just someone to talk to, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And I think the older you grow up as well, the older I've grown up is, the more I kind of, you start having friends that you can literally, like you said, just call, the amount of, the amount of times you just call each other and be like, yo, this is what's going on, mm -hmm. and just talk about it, and there's no that, you know, there isn't that kind of heavy, heavy shoulders thing, okay, I can't speak about that, whatever it is, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because what you're saying, I can kind of relate to it, when I, when I, when I moved to London, yeah. and started working full time, the, the life when you're a student, yeah. <laughs> To the life when you're working full time. At that it's point, different. I was doing eight days in a row and then four days off. Wow. Do you know what I mean? By the time I get my hot, like my, my, you know, my, my weekend, yeah. I'm, I'm tired, mate. Like, do you know what I mean? And it's I'm in a different area, so I haven't got people that you know down the road or whatever it is. I'm in a completely different area, and it's just radio silence. You know, your phone. You're looking in the weekend. Yeah. Nothing. nothing. <laughs> Zero. Especially yeah. from obviously you were the guy in Leeds. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And so your phone's booming. And yeah. Then exactly. And so then, how was that transition? As I say, like in London, uh, as you landed, what 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 happened? 
in that period of time in that year or so or a bit like that first year like I said mate it was strange it was strange I was lucky obviously that I had my, my brother in London yeah so I could rely on him do you know what I mean yeah. like you know to kind of just go out like I was a, I was a party animal mate I, I wanted to go out all the time <laughs> but obviously when you don't know that many people it's just obviously a different vibe you couldn't do that all the time it was like retraining myself to be okay with my own company mm. yes. which is mad do you know what yeah. I mean but it, yeah. I think it's something that our generation struggles with, to be honest. Yeah. As I said like earlier as well, I couldn't sit down with myself on my own um, previously. And I think that's something maybe our generation in general uh, struggles with because we have an almost like always on society where, as you say, you know, you could check your phone and something's popping off or something's on social media. You can talk mm. to people, you can connect and things like that. But in the same sense, constant connection means that you're always seeking that connection validation as it were yeah. and looking for that little serotonin boost of a like of a photo or whatever um, we're doing and so then you actually can't just sit down and just be in your own thoughts or even it's even it even manifests into little things where like you know whenever we sit down and talk to each other barely anyone touches their phones but I've been in situations where you know we're sat down talking to people and yeah, they're sat on the phone seeking yeah. connections and yeah. validation from other so uh, not really present, yeah. Yeah, so not really present in that. So my question, I think I broached it earlier on with, with Tanasha, was um, obviously as very social people, all three of us, is there a difference between being alone and being lonely? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there definitely is. I've been reading up about it recently, about, you know, loneliness, and I never really understood what it was um, until it's kind of come to the forefront. Because I was leading up stuff about, um, you know, like Leeds Mind mm. and um, that kind of mind society. And they, they talked about a lot in terms of loneliness, especially during these, you know, these COVID times. Yeah. Uh, in the sense of people being isolated. And um, and I think from, from my perspective, like, being alone is a choice. So you yeah. take yourself away from the from the situation and you you know you want calm and you want to be in your own thoughts and things like that but being lonely i think that's it's when that choice is removed from you mm. um and i think that yeah. that can be a bit dangerous to be honest what about yourself yeah i probably have to agree i think you know i think like i said to you earlier i think being lonely is a feeling uh, i think that's what i probably say was i think you can be around people so you're not alone technically but you're lonely do you know what i mean mm. yeah so it's, yeah, it's, that, it's yeah. an interesting one. But, you know, going back to the kind of, I guess, COVID times, um, with, with, with my kind of uh, job at the moment, uh, I kind of work on my own. Yeah. So when, when it came to, like, working from home or being alone, I've been doing that for like, the last few years, yeah. you know what I mean? So that transition was easy for me, but I can imagine what it would be like for someone that, you know, that used that's used to go into the office, having after work drinks. Mm. I don't have that. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just me, yeah. <laughs> me on my own. So it's yeah, I can imagine how difficult that would be. And it goes back to those things, that thing you were saying about being um, comfortable with your own thoughts. I think for me, when I was um, around about the age of I think fourteen or fifteen, I used to go to this youth group, and a lot of them, a lot of the people there were at university in London. So being from Birmingham. London was the promised land and all these things. And you'd hear about some of the people and their struggles. And this one woman who I'm still good friends with, um, she said, um, being at uni has made me realize that I need to be so comfortable in, with four walls and my, my own thoughts. And that stuck with me for, for years and it still sticks yeah. with me now. And 
if you look at how society and as young people, how we're suited now, is that a lot of us are living alone. A lot of us are living at home. And those pressure of society to attain some of the things that which our parents attained. So at 23, they had a house. They had a spouse. They had all these things. And those pressures, they they build up. So within, let's say you're a, a teenager right now and COVID has just been rampant. All you're thinking about now is possibly how how is this? When is this going to end? What future do I have? Yeah. When you're in uh, your late twenties now, it's like okay, how am I going to afford a house? Yeah. How am I going to be debt free? My friend is debt free. They're all getting all of this stuff. So all these little societal pressures are so hampering us mm. that even when we talk about mental health, I think we do limit the conversation. Yeah, because if we look at society. When we talk about mental health, it's depression, anxiety, anxiety yeah. and okay. those little those things which are massive to people's lives, but they don't show the full breadth of what yeah. mental what health is. Because yeah. mental health does attain to schizophrenia. It does attain yeah. to eating disorders. Yeah, I wouldn't say I have an eating disorder, yeah. but I have a funny relationship with food. Yeah. So all these conversations are not had in, in society. There's and a lot of work to be done, yeah. and there's a lot of homework. <laughs> when you open, when you open up Pandora's... Yeah, it's yeah. actually... It's a big box. Yeah. And then as black men, because we don't have the opportunity or the forums to speak about it, is that when we have these moments where we can speak to each other, they're very real and they're very honest. But sometimes they're so fleeting yeah. is that when you go back to those four walls, that these conversations don't give you as much life yeah. as you wanted to because your battles have been so ongoing for so many yeah. years. And because you've given someone one little snippet, it gives you a little piece of hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you need someone who is consistent yeah. through that battle with you. Do you know, and it's so hard. Do you know what I found useful, like going back to, to, to my time, was just speaking to someone that I was going through panic attacks or anxiety, mm-hmm. I found that powerful, mate. It was just, it was just crazy because for a while you think, oh, what's wrong with me? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is it, it's just me. And and then obviously, I think it was like one of my friends just speaking to her and it's like, you, you know, oh, this is what's happening. And she's like, oh, you know, it's mad. I'm I'm going through the same. Well, yeah, this is how weird is that? Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, yeah, it's just like okay, it's normal, it's cool. Because I used to put like put a lot of pressure on myself. I'm like. Yeah, I bet. This is weird, man. What's going on? Like, the thing is, right? My my natural kind of instinct when I've got a problem is to find a solution yeah. as quick as possible. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like reading. I'm like, okay, I want to try. Like, yeah. But actually, what I learned about mental health, it doesn't really work like that. It's yeah. a no it's quick a work fix. in progress. Exactly, yeah. it's a work in progress. Hundred percent. There's yeah. absolutely no quick fix. And yeah. yeah, it's mad. Just in terms of stuff that um, Felix just mentioned. Obviously, like, I think. Um, <clears throat> A lot of things that we see around society, we, as we say, bundle into, quote-unquote, the popular terms of, you know, uh, the more obvious to society, so your depression, your anxiety, and things like that. And it's interesting, as soon as you open up that box in terms of, yeah, as you say, like, eating disorders, body dysmorphia, and and the things that are kind of putting pressure on us as a society. But do you think there is something in terms of that realm of things that is adding fuel to the fire? So, you know... Mental health battles is, uh, unfortunately, as we say, it's part of day-to-day society at the moment and it's something that we're all dealing with as a, as a, as a movement, as a people. But do you, do you think there's anything in, in our world right now that is just throwing fuel onto the fire? I think it goes back to what you said earlier about the pressures to kind of to succeed now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh you know, that instant God. gratification and, 
you know, and, and it's not just from external, you know, I think sometimes it comes from our families, mm, yeah. you know, like you were saying, you know, you know, our parents obviously sacrificed everything to, to come over here and start a new life. Uh, and they they have expectations, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. You know they have expectations, so it's both. It's kind of like a two pronged attack. You've got external factors, internal factors. Yeah. Everyone's just kind mm. of pushing this, but yeah, it's just that need to succeed straight away. I think that definitely doesn't. Mm. Yeah, definitely doesn't help. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think the society has been reflecting on itself for so long mm. that it's forgotten how to live. So. In the sense that because we have, <laughs> oh my, in the sense that because we have so much social media, we have so much yes. knowledge and and things that we can look upon, is that we've actually forgot to just, just get on with it. Yeah, to have those opportunities to know. To be like, it's okay that I've not attained everything that I, I want to. It's okay that I can't compare myself to somebody else. But because we are, are consistently on our phones, we're consistently... Like, think about the first thing you did this morning. Go to my phone. Answer a phone to him. Yeah. yeah. It's true. It's really true. And I, and I was hoping you, I'd hope, I was hoping you say social media because I think social media is one of the greatest advances in human society and also the sword that on which we shall die upon mm. because it's given us the opportunity to you know to access people all over the world there are people who are so relationships where one person lives in you know North America and someone else lives in Australia and uh, amazing absolutely those opportunities are great and it's allowed us to you know touch cultures that we'd never uh, yeah. previously get to but the only issue is at the moment then is that those kind of pressures are exacerbated because we now are able to compare our, ourselves against someone else from across the yeah. pond, yeah? So now what we start seeing is, you know, even from my, my my own personal self, like, I am hungry for success, absolutely, and then I see these things where, like, you know, someone else has got a, a Rolex and, you know, they've proposed to their girlfriend in the Maldives with a, yeah. with a drone, I'm thinking, yeah. I'm like, I live in the room next to my mum in Bradford. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking... What's Lord, going on? I'm thinking, Lord have mercy, how am yeah. I supposed to do this? Yeah. And so then... And then you know, I'm trying to get to the gym and become, you know, a fit young man. And um, I'm like, okay, let me follow some people so that I can get some tips. And everyone's got, you know, like 365-day abs. I'm thinking, how you got abs in winter? It's Christmas. But, <laughs> do, you know, but do you know what it is? It's that self-improvement thing as well. Yeah. We're so obsessed with self-improvement. Mm, yeah. There's always, like, quotes of how you can 10 be books a day. 10% better yeah. and all of that. Sometimes oh, that man. is a downfall of your mental health. Oh, no. Steve You're okay me, just the way you are, simple. Books a day. Yeah. Like, Listen, give me $100 million. Yeah. Books a day. Yeah. So with all those things which are available through social media and social media being such a valuable tool, but then also a detriment to our mental health. What tools have been helpful for you to alleviate some of the struggles that you have? That's a, that's a very Ooh. long question. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll jump in in terms of tools, because um, I remember we, we had one of these questions actually from the public, uh, which is quite cool. Um, and one of the tools I've personally used is, like, mine charity, I don't know, they... Uh, it's not saying that no, no one deserves a pat on the back, but they do some some absolutely yeah. special stuff. Um, and they're available in most major cities, and you literally just jump onto the website, and they've got loads of stuff, and they suggested the um, meditation app. What's it called? The, um, I forgot, Headspace. Headspace, yeah. yeah. Headspace, incredible. Yeah. I listened to yeah. that. 
before I go to sleep, yeah. and you can set certain meditations. So you know whether it's to help you sleep or to relieve anxiety, and it describes stuff in such simplistic terms and things like you know. I think like when you are having a, a, a situation where anxiety might be affecting you, you are focusing on a lot of things that might be scary in your, and and it teaches you to not to block those out, but to acknowledge and almost, they describe it as, you know, standing by the side of the road and let, and seeing those thoughts come by yeah. and understanding that it's okay for that mm, to be happening. That's, that's not so a problem. Yeah. And it's, um, so there's a free version of that app, so you can download it on Android or iOS. Um, and then there are paid versions as well. And I would, anyone who, you know, is in a position where they can introduce this into the workplace, I'd really do so. And it's something that we push as well, um, where I work in the sense of, you know, if that is a, a subscription that you that you want, we can have, you know, company subscriptions. And it's incredible, everything from, you know, meditations to, yeah. you know, mindfulness and things like that. So that would be my top tip. What about you, T? Um, so mine's a bit off the cuff. Uh, music, yeah. But I just find listening to music... Just calms me down. Do you know what I mean? It's just kind of my escape time. Mm. Um, and, and the other thing is structure. So I think being structured. Um, so the times when I'm starting to see my, myself feel, feel a bit anxious, it's probably when I lose a bit of structure in terms of what I'm doing. So trying to structure my day in terms of, you know, I'm just going to chill out this time. I'm going to do this, whatever. It just means that everything's nice and organised. It's when the chaos starts to happen that... When I start, you know, it's for me, I think it's it's that kind of need to control. Do you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I'm a bit of a control freak yeah. in that sense. But the moment I start to lose control of things, I'm like, okay, bring a bit of structure, you know, time, time for this, time to mm. time to have a nap, time to do you know what I mean? Mm. Time to just I mean yeah. it's, it's, do you remember that book that uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck? And they uh, in that book they talk about how, you know, success is actually um being able to deal with uncertainty and chaos. Yeah. So we know we know our days are going to be, there's things that are going to be stressful and there's work and all of that we know is coming. Yeah. So then it's it's about, you know, putting ourselves in the best positions, as you say, you know, music or meditation yeah. or whatever, yeah. to be able to go, chaos, I'm ready. Mm. You know that chaos is coming. Yeah. And so then success is that um, knowing, as we say, like that chaos is coming and being able to deal with it. But how about yourself? I think for me, it's uh, the simple, like the, the, the two tools. For me, it's simply crying. Nine. I think as... I've not cried since I was like nine. Yeah, Bro? I'm bad at that too. I haven't <laughs> cried since I got my ass beat. <laughs> we actually... <laughs> I'm I haven't cried since I got my ass whooped, mate. I'm crying. bad at that. My girlfriend's always saying, you need to show some emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've had that. And I was just like... the best thing that I've I'm ever so jealous. found so myself. Jealous. You know, the thing is, yeah, I can't, like... I can't cry at specific things. Yeah. But I know I'm due in a cry. And I kind of schedule it in. So, like, I know sometimes, like, I need three months. Every three months, I need to cry or I'm going to be emotionally unstable. I rate you so much for bringing <laughs> And you know it's like, so, it's that's like mad. As, as black men, we're taught, yeah, fam, keep yeah. it in. Don't, don't. Yeah. And, the, like, the moment I've cried at some of the weirdest stuff, mm. and I'm like, <laughs> that was good. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, let's that go ahead. Yeah. So say it's cathartic, isn't it? It's, I feel oh. like I've been due. I feel like I've been pent up for like 28 years. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like if I cry now, <laughs> <laughs> like so when you release it, it's 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 a beautiful moment because I think it it reverts back to when you're young. Mm. Sometimes you you cried for no reason, yeah. but it allowed you to freely express yourself without words, yeah. without the need to articulate yourself so that somebody else needs to understand. Yeah. And that goes back to being within the four walls. So every time, I don't cry in public. Sometimes I have cried in public. Yeah. But the moments where I cry alone is when I know I've needed it because 
there's a part of me which is saying, if you don't deal with this now, yeah. Yeah. it's going to be terrible yeah. when it actually hits the fan. Mm-hmm. So crying for me just gives me the opportunity to be like, mm, it's out. It's out. Let's go that. again. I Let's love go that again. So much, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's so good to like yeah. for one of the main greatest things for me as a young black man is seeing my dad cry yeah. and seeing how he has I've articulated himself. That would break me, you know. <laughs> if, I think that I, would I've make not me seen cry. that. I'm nearly that 30. I've not seen my dad cry. The first once. time I saw him cry. Yeah. And then that's the thing. Yeah. He's sort of perpetuating yeah. the problem at the same time because mm. he's like, I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry to see my son. My son made me cry, but maybe he does. We don't know. Like the first time I saw, like obviously, death is every African cries at death. They they have that deep emotional cry. Yeah. But when I saw my dad cry out of an emotion, how he felt about me, that like. I hope my dad doesn't does yeah. does not dislike that I'm saying about this yeah. about the situation. But he said to me, <laughs> but he was like, he was like, yo, Felix, I'm sorry that I've done to you. I feel like I have failed you, and he was crying from really? it. And him crying Jeez. gave me the strength to actually be like, yo, dad, you've never failed me because yeah. you've actually shown me how to be a real man that I can show my true emotion and everything that I am and say, I think I failed. But then there's someone within my my close circle to say, actually, no, I see greatness in you. I see this in you. I see what you can do in life. I see all of this. So speaking life into you. Yeah. So I think, you know, the, the more you grow, the more you start to understand how your emotions are at work. Yeah. And it's all different from everyone. Yeah. So for you not crying since you were dying, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> but I'm a yeah. super emotional person, so I need to cry mm. to allow me to actually maneuver in life, to life. process. In yeah. So everyone has a different process processing system yeah. when it comes to their mental health and their emotions. I feel like this is it's like a therapy session, fam. This Do you know weird. what I mean? It's absolutely <laughs> weird. I'm literally like, yeah, I've never seen my dad cry. <laughs> I'm the same. Speak to this man. Bro, I, I've never seen my dad doesn't. Huh? My dad's like old school. How do you think it would make you feel if you saw your dad cry? Though? I don't know, oh, mate. It would break me. That would, yeah. it would break me. I don't know. If I saw my dad cry, that would be finished for me. I'd cry too. Mm, yeah. In the sense of, um, I don't know, my dad, me and my dad have always, you know, we are, we're best friends. Um, we truly, really are. And we've come even closer this year in the sense of me, you know, me moving back home and stuff like that. And we're two peas in a pod and all my dad wants is just, you know, my success and happiness. That, for him, the world can burn if, if, you know, if that doesn't happen. And so him crying would tell me that he isn't happy with anything that is happening in order for our happiness, in the, in the process of our happiness. So then that would really, you know, yeah. shake my, my world. And if, and if he does, then I'm like, something is, something is dangerously wrong mm, here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's not to say that he shouldn't cry or whatever else it may be and things like that. You know, as we say, like, um, you know, your crying is your organisation, which is yeah. my mindfulness. Yeah. And it, it's it's different ways. Like, it could be exercise. Sometimes thinking... Oh, my God, yeah. the gym. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Save my Do you know how much I, I rate the gym now yeah. with everything? I used to go for six-packs now. <laughs> yeah. I go to, like... Yeah. To clean my head. It's my get crying. Any, uh, it's my crying. Mate. Absolutely. Yeah, something else. Yeah, it's incredible. So, um, just before we uh, wrap up, we had one question from the public. Um, so, we put a poll out there. So, if anybody would like to put any questions in, um, if you go to our Instagram or go to hello at why didn't you tell me, um, dot com, you'll be able to send us some questions. So, we've had one question in, um, in terms of uh, the tools one that we've kind of covered. And then, how can I bring up the topic of mental health with a friend? Um, I'd say be open be recipient um 
and be humble. I think the the reason why I say being humble, I think because we have so much information is that we feel that we're all experts in this field. And I remember a few years ago, one of my ex-girlfriends, she was going through a depressive um, moment for her life. And she actually went to the doctor, got diagnosed and everything, and I blew it off, mm. said, nah, this, is, this isn't... You're not feeling that. Yeah. You're just, it's just a moment. Don't, don't, yeah. don't try to bring that to my door. And looking back now in hindsight and retrospect, is that that pushed her further down yeah. her yeah. depressive state. And I wasn't someone who was supportive. Mm. So it's being humble to know that you don't have the answers, but being open enough to listen. Yeah. That's where I'd say that's how I'd broach the conversation. I think if it was me, I think um you know, I'm a jokey guy until you're serious with me in a sense of, you know, you, there's, there's levels to letting me know that there is, there's something to be happening. But yeah. with me, God's honest truth, take me out for a drink, sit me down and say, look... I was going to say the same thing, over yeah, a drink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, over a drink. and Because <clears throat> with a drink, society has told us that, you know, whether it's alcoholic or non-alcoholic, depending obviously on the situation, that that social alcoholic. drink reduces um, inhibitions. Essentially, yeah. yeah. And, and it's exactly what we're doing here, where yeah. this is the therapy session. Mm. This is exactly what, yeah. um, to broach it. And just, just be um, honest. Now, not all friends are made equal in the sense of, you know, there's a lot of things I, I, I like, I would tell yourselves and, you know, the Jays, Jordans, the Lawrence, the Andres, and, you know, and so on and so on, yeah. and those types of friends. But then outside of that circle, then, you know, there's acquaintances who I maybe wouldn't, wouldn't approach that question with. And so... Um, it's also picking the right individual and picking yeah. the right friend. And, you know, I might not be that friend for you guys, and that, that's absolutely fine. Mm. Um, as long as you approach it to the person who you think, you know what, I respect this person's opinion, and I do genuinely believe that, you know, even if they can't help, they can listen. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd pick wisely and then just sit me down for a drink. I think that pick wisely one is important. Definitely try and obviously find someone that you think you can open up to, and you're not going to get that judgment. So... You know, and also make sure they're not also going through maybe, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? Make sure yeah. that, you know, they'll be in a in a mental state to actually listen to you mm. rather than not listen to you. Yeah. It's the same thing as well. It's that I was picking carefully. I think, just to add one more thing, even with therapists as well, I found that that was really important. Yeah. I found that, like you were saying earlier, that you're more responsive to, to certain types of therapists than others. Mm. So it's just, yeah, basically when you're picking someone to listen to you, you got to pick carefully, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. How about yourself, or how is anything? I think, yeah, just you know, being humble, being recept- yeah. receptive, um, as you were saying, picking the right person. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I think just at the end of it is just knowing that everyone has yeah. a struggle. I love that. Everyone's struggle is that's always perfect way to going to be different, but just to realize that everyone is struggling. Yeah. There is no one single perfect person in this world from your parents Mm. to your grandparents to even a small five-year-old. Everyone has their struggle. You know, I just thought of another one, actually, that might be interesting. In terms of articulating your thoughts, writing them down, Mm. I find that useful. Do you know what I mean? Just putting what you're thinking, yeah. Yeah. Then you can actually... It'll be easier to talk about what you're feeling when you've put it down. (laughs) For me, anyways, do you know what I mean? To be like, yeah, I felt like this, I felt like that. And then it's easier to explain, yeah. do you know what I mean? Because I think, obviously, there'll be emotions, you know, attached to when you're telling a story. Mm. Sometimes you can lose, your, you know what I mean, the detail or the kind of 
things that are actually bothering you. But if you put it on paper, then it's like, okay. Even if yeah. you just WhatsApped it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you put all that stuff down and then like, yeah. in your notes section and you just sent me it, and then that way you don't you can save face in the sense of you know maybe not having to tell me face to face. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's a perfect way to end it in a sense of saying, you know. Um, we're all approachable. We're all um, we're all trying our best. No one is perfect. No one, clearly, even from the three of us, who I think <laughs> were absolutely fucking fantastic, yeah. um, we all have our struggles. And we've all had our struggles, and so you know we're all here to help. And everyone's just trying their best. So and that's a perfect way to end the uh, second episode of Why Didn't You Tell Me. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, we just want to say a quick thank you to Northern Monk uh, for sponsoring this podcast. Um, and so without further ado, um, I have been Thierry. I've been feeling. And I've been Tanashi. And we've been Why Didn't You Tell Me? Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. To keep up to date with everything that we're doing, please check out our YouTube, Spotify, and Instagram at Why Didn't You Tell Me? And if you've got any questions for the pod, please send them to hello at whydintyoutellme.co.uk. Just want to make a big shout out as well to our sponsors, Northern Monk, who have helped us put this podcast together. And once again, thank you for listening.